It is great to be back today on Search the Scriptures with all of our listeners, to be able to open up God's Word and learn some more of those rich truths that He has communicated to us therein. What a blessing to be able to have the Word to guide us in our everyday lives. And it's a blessing for me to be able to do that today with you, along with Dennis Stackhouse. Well, thank you, Gary. It's certainly a great privilege for me to be part of this ministry, to have the opportunity to be on Search the Scriptures, and as you said, open up God's Word together, spend time studying those truths He's recorded for us, and we hope that all of you who are listening to us today are doing the same thing, that you have your Bible there with you, and that you're turning to these scriptures as we give reference to them, as we read them, as we comment on them. We want you to be right there with us. And again, come to a greater understanding of what God would have us be in this life. Amen. Dennis, we are coming to the conclusion of this list of special blessings that God has blessed the faithful Christian with that the Apostle Paul enumerated for us in the first chapter of Ephesians. Right. Specifically, verses 3 through 14. Mm -hmm. Now, we know that this list is for those who are in Christ. In fact, the faithful in Christ, because going back to Ephesians 1 and verse 1, that's that's to whom the letter is written. Yes, that's right. So that is important for us to understand because... We need to to recognize that those who are outside of Christ, those who have not yet become faithful Christians, they can't read this list and say, oh, this belongs to me, this one and this one, redemption and salvation. Uh Uh-uh. No, that's right, Gary. And uh, I like one of the things you said, I believe it was on our last program. This is talking about a relationship. Christian people who have responded obediently to the gospel message, Christians who are living faithfully before God after they have demonstrated that obedience and continue to demonstrate that obedience, are in a relationship with Christ. In other words, they are in Christ. And we've talked a lot about that. It's a phrase that Paul uses a number of times here in Ephesians chapter 1, And in fact, he uses it a number of times in his writings. That relationship is what makes us acceptable in God's sight. And outside of that relationship, we are unacceptable. That's correct. And and I think I think Dennis, a lot of people for a lot of people that's pretty cloudy in their minds. Very likely. I think a lot of people they think, I believe in Christ, I believe in God. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. The it devils is. in hell believe too. James that's chapter true. two tells us that. Yes. But they're still in hell. Yes. Now, I'm not trying to be unnecessarily, uh, you know, insulting about those who say, "Well, I, ha- I believe in Christ. I believe in God." Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that's not enough. That's not yes. what salvation is. Where you say, "I believe in God. I believe in Christ. I must be saved." Mm-hmm. Uh, no. Again, that's not that's not true. You have to understand there, your belief is the initial response to the gospel message. Right. Now you've got to do something with that belief. Exactly. And that's where obedience comes into play. That's exactly right. So those who have obeyed the gospel, mm-hmm. and that's a scriptural term, yes. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 8, mm-hmm. among, uh, you know, one, among 
two or three that, mm-hmm. that actually specifically talk about obeying the gospel. Mm-hmm. Until you've obeyed the gospel, you're outside Christ. That's right. So it's important we come to understand that particular reality. These blessings are for those who have obeyed the gospel mm-hmm. and come into Christ. Right. Now, we're down to verse 13, and really the first part of verse 13. What does that say, Dennis? In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Now, that's where we stopped last time because we really did not have enough time to do justice to the concept of the gospel there. Mm -hmm. And what a blessing it is for us to have that gospel. Oh, yeah. We did point out that a lot of people might take exception to our saying that this blessing is only for those who are the faithful, the saved in Christ, because the gospel was meant for everybody. Mm -hmm. But what we're talking about here, Dennis, and we tried to emphasize this in short in our, at the close of our last program, we're talking about the reality of the gospel message. Mm-hmm. We're talking about its effectiveness, mm-hmm. and it is only effective for those who have accepted it and obeyed it. That's correct. Now, the gospel. Jesus told the apostles to go preach the gospel to every creature mm-hmm. all over the world. Yes, in Mark 16, verses 15 and 16. Now, that's because it's God's plan as we, as we go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 21, it's God's plan that the method that he designed through which the gospel would be presented to the world would be through that verbal teaching or preaching. That's right. What does it say there? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Through the foolishness of the message preached to mm-hmm. save those who believe. Right. In previous programs, we've talked about how a lot of people would rather denigrate the idea of the importance of preaching today. Yes. They'd think that was old-fashioned, outmoded, uh, as my dad used to say, old timey. Mm-hmm. You, know? <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, we're too sophisticated, or we're more sophisticated than that today. They mm-hmm. might say, "Right." I'm sorry, we're not. <laughs> it's still God's plan. It is. We still need that basic, fundamental, straightforward teaching and preaching. Mm-hmm. We need it now, especially if we are arrogant enough in our own minds to suggest that I don't need that. Mm-hmm. We probably really need it then, more, than, think more so. than a lot of other people. Yes, I think so. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul lays out for us the fact that we are called to salvation through the gospel. Yes, he does. In verses 13 and 14, what does he say there? But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, Because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth, to which he called you by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he called us to salvation by the gospel. 
Yes, exactly what Paul said. And that should not be surprising at all because of what we've already referred to in Mark 16, 15, and 16, where Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. That's right. That's the message of salvation. Yes, it is. The gospel message. Now, we have that basic message of the gospel laid out for us in a rather succinct form in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the first four verses. How does that read? Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you were saved if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. So there we have, again, kind of in a nutshell, in a very succinct form, the basic message of the gospel that Christ died, was buried, and arose from the grave. Yes, that's right. And appeared risen. Mm Mm-hmm before a multitude of witnesses. That's right. Now, of course, there's more to the gospel than that, but that Mm -hmm. is in a very succinct form, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. Mm -hmm. Now, we have to respond to that, to that reality. Mm -hmm. That was what the apostles were preaching. But then in Acts chapter 2, on, the, on Pentecost, that's, that's exactly what Peter and the other apostles were preaching to the Jews gathered there in multitude on that day. Yes, it was. But they asked, what shall we do? Yes. In verse 37. Right. And then Peter gave a response, didn't he? Yes. In, in verse, verse 38. Th- right. He said, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So the gospel message was that God sent Christ into this world as our Redeemer, as Mm -hmm. our Savior, Mm -hmm. as our Lord, the Messiah. Now we have to respond to that. That's what they're asking. What do we do? Yes. And that's what Peter instructed them as to how they respond, how they should respond, how all of us should respond Mm -hmm. to the gospel message. Right. If we don't respond to that gospel message in obedience, we've got a problem, don't we? We do. We very much do. Second Thessalonians chapter 1 and verses 7 and 8 spells that out for us. Very clearly. Yes, it does. Uh, there Paul said, And to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire taking vengeance on those, and this is important, who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. On those who do not obey the gospel. Mm -hmm. So it's not just a matter of not knowing Christ or God, but also not obeying the gospel. The place of obedience is so critical in the life of someone who wants to get into Christ. 
Dennis, if we come back to Ephesians chapter 1, and we look there again in verse 13 at this statement about the gospel, it's interesting. It says, in him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Mm -hmm. Now, it's interesting that this gospel is also identified in that same verse, in the same breath, basically, by the inspired writer as the word of truth. That's right. Now, that's very significant because Jesus said in John chapter 8 and verse 32 that you shall know the truth right, and the truth shall make you free. That's correct. And in chapter 17 and verse 17, on the night of his betrayal, he prayed, the Father, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Yes. So the truth by which we can be freed be freed from the guilt of our sin, mm-hmm. come to salvation, is none other than the word of God. And basically, that's the gospel. Yes, and I think it's very significant also, Gary, that especially in our day and in our time, perhaps in our society, many people will contend, well, there is no absolute truth. You know, We can't know truth. It's just some abstract notion floating out there that nobody can grasp. I'm sorry, there is an absolute truth, and it's found in God's Word. And the truth from this particular perspective is not arbitrary. No. It is not elusive. It's not changing. It's right there. It is. It's objective, Mm -hmm. and it's for every one of us. It is. It is the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the truth of God's Word. Yes. Okay, let's go back to Ephesians chapter 1, and let's read now verses 13 and 14 as we come to the last of of these blessings that are listed here in this marvelous text. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now, again, what a blessing this is. And this is not for everybody. This is only for those who have responded properly to the gospel message of salvation. That's Who have come into Christ, right. who are the faithful in Christ. Yes. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and how about reading there verses 20 and, uh, 21 and 22. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God, who also has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Again, a lot of people, when you bring up the subject of the Holy Spirit, boy, their minds just start running off in 
in directions. In, in a, <laughs> in a, you just start like a galloping horse. You yeah, know, that's they, right. Almost out of control. Yes. Almost immediately when people hear the, 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 the name Holy Spirit, they start thinking about miracles. Yes. Well, the Holy Spirit is God the Spirit. Mm-hmm. He is one of the persons of the Godhead or one of the personalities of the Godhead. Mm-hmm. He is part of God. Yes. And when we only relegate the Holy Spirit to miracles, we've done the Holy Spirit a disservice. Mm, I think so. Now, we've already seen that the Holy Spirit guided the inspired writers to write God's Word. Yes, that's The correct. way God wanted it written. Yes, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, we read of that. Yes. Now, here we're told in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 21 and 22, as well as what we've read back in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, that in some way, as we become a Christian, we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. That says nothing about enabling us to perform miracles. No, not at all. It, it talks about a guarantee. Mm-hmm. That's what it's talking about. Yes. Sealed, and that's what Paul, how Paul puts it there in verse 22 of 2 Corinthians chapter 1, given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Yes. It says nothing about performing miracles there. No. So let's not let our minds suddenly run away with us. Let's look at Romans chapter 8. And verses 16 and 17. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Now, Dennis, when it says the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit Mm -hmm. that we are children of God, now with our spirit would be our spiritual essence. We're created in God's image, Genesis 1, verse 27, verses 26 and 27. Mm-hmm. And so we're created with a, with a spiritual essence or identity. We have a soul. We have a spirit. Mm-hmm. The spirit, the Holy Spirit, bears witness with our spirit, with our spiritual reality that we are children of God. Now, again, as we become Christians, how does the spirit bear witness with our spirits? Well, I believe through the word. <laughs> Again, logical, mm-hmm. logical. Mm-hmm. How do we know how to come to salvation? It's through the through word. word. How do we know when we have done what we're supposed to do to come to salvation? It's through, through the, the word. word. The word guides us and instructs us. And God has given us his word to assure us. Now, again, some way the Spirit becomes a part of, dwells within the individual who has become a Christian. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, how does Paul put it there? He, he uses pretty descriptive language there. Yes. What does he say? Yes, he does. Uh, again, that's 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 and 20. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. 
or which belong to God is the sense of that. Yes. So this, our body is supposed to be the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit dwells in us in some way. Now, some would say that's a direct indwelling. In, in, it says nothing again about performing miracles or enabling us to perform miracles. Jesus also says that God the Son and God the Father will make their abode or home within us right? or with us mm-hmm. in John chapter 14 and verses 23 and 24. Mm-hmm. Now, some people would say it's only through the Word that the Spirit dwells in us. You know, I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I do know there's nothing said there about enabling us to perform miracles, which is what people automatically jump to a lot of times in regards to the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. But somehow, he is there with us, and we know that he certainly guides us through the word. Mm-hmm. And as we have focused our lives in becoming Christians upon the teachings of the word to guide us to salvation, we know the Spirit is speaking to us mm-hmm. through that Word. Yes. As we read it, as we understand it, and as we make the proper applications to our lives. In that way, for certain, the Spirit gives us that guarantee that we are sons and daughters of God. That's as right. we have obeyed the gospel and come into Christ mm-hmm. thereby. Yes. The Spirit guarantees through the word that we are sons and daughters of God. Right. Very, very important for us to understand what a blessing we have in Christ. All of these things, all of these things, chosen by God, made holy and without blame, God's love extended to us, adopted by God as sons and daughters, accepted in Christ, Through his grace, Christ was sent to the cross for our redemption and forgiveness. The wisdom of God, have access to that. The mystery of God's plan for man's redemption has been revealed to us. We have that eternal inheritance that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for us. We have had the gospel message of salvation become directly effective in our lives by virtue of our accepting it and obeying it, and we're sealed with the Holy Spirit as a guarantee Mm -hmm. of our salvation. My, what a marvelous text. We should all long for those blessings, Gary. Yes, and we need to respond to that gospel message obediently so that we can have the assurance of all of those blessings in our lives. Again, we encourage our readers, contact us and ask us for that free Bible study so you can get into this in more depth and detail.